being vulnerable is very uncomfortable. So it yeah. was horrible to have to tell her like, hey, this is not working out. Hey, I'm 40 years old. I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. I still feel vulnerable saying that. This is the Happen to Your Career podcast with Scott Anthony Barlow. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen. We help you define the work that's unapologetically you, and then go get it. If you're ready to make a change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Pretty much everyone faces fear when it comes to changing careers. Will they like me during the interview? What if I say something stupid or that doesn't fit? What if they see too much variety in my background? What if they think I'm a generalist? What if they hire me, but it's not as good as it seems? Fear of the unknown is paralyzing sometimes. But here's the deal. You can learn to overcome that fear. You can learn to not minimize it, but instead move through it. And then also feeling like nervous before an interview, thinking, well, it's an interview. We know how these things are. And I know everyone feels nervous. And I felt like, oh, they're going to hate me. They're, oh my gosh. Or they're going to think I'm so kooky and crazy. I'm not this buttoned up fundraiser type. That's what they want. Oh gosh. They're, you know, I took acting classes. They're going to find that out. That's Margaret Fredrickson. We got really deep in our conversation into how she made this change, particularly learning how a career search is so much more than just a job search. It's finding a career and a lifestyle that fits your needs. So we talked about what that looked like in Margaret's journey and then a firsthand account on how coaching can help you overcome your fears and hurdles to not only get you to your next career, but head down a path to what you really enjoy or having more joy more often in your life. So one of the things I, I thought was really interesting about this conversation is that we did something we don't normally do. We brought her coach on to be able to shed some light into how that works. And also, maybe the most importantly and most important piece of this episode that I want you to listen for as, as Margaret's talking, as uh, her coach is talking, it, it, it's vulnerability, sharing vulnerability in and throughout the entire way and process of your career change. It's something that really doesn't get talked about in that way. People say, you know, you need to be yourself. They say, oh, yeah, be vulnerable. All those things, which is much harder to do in reality. It's not just a buzzword that's gotten popular these days. And we talk specifically how it worked in Margaret's journey and how it helped her be able to get a role that, quite frankly, she wouldn't have done otherwise. This is why I love the job. I do a little bit of everything, and that's what I was looking for. So, and it changes all the time yeah. and that's what gives me energy. And as a, you know, brings me a lot of joy. So on a day to day, you know, I work with a hand, I always at, you know, one point in time, I'll have a handful of clients that I work with, uh, and the day to day really varies. So, you know, some days I'll interview their donors, uh, talk about what their passions are, uh, you know, learn more about them and then communicate that back to the nonprofit. Um, other times I'll delve, you know, really deeply into their numbers and just let them know, you know, analyze and let them know what patterns I'm seeing. So you do that. 
and then, uh, and I'm having a great week because uh, I've been delving in this week on, you know, a really interesting project looking at uh, rejection and how fundraisers deal with rejection and how people do and analyzing uh, some of the connections to the brain or how, how rejection affects the brain, which is very much like physical, you know, it uses the same pathways as physical pain. Yes. So how cool, I get to do everything and we're working on kind of brain hacks for fundraisers. So I'm going to delve into uh, writing more now as well. So that'll be my, so look out for the blog post. Ooh, I am. I am super excited for that. Okay. That is, that is something I get excited about too. Anyways, I was just, uh, I was just writing something. People will see it in one of our emails coming up here in the next month or so about that exact same thing. So we might have to have a separate conversation after this, but what yeah. you, you haven't always been doing this though. You haven't always been in fundraising, uh, hacking the fundraising industry, if you will. Uh, so where did, where did your career actually start for you? When I think of my career, Alina knows me, my, she knows me by now. I'm a very creative thinker and I don't think in a linear way. So when you ask me that question, I think about myself as a child. Um, so, you know, as a kid, I wanted, my goal as a child was I want to live a day in every different type of person's shoe, right? I remember that I want to live, you know, I want to see what it's like to be a person, a different person every day of my life. Really? Where, where, where did that come from? I'm super curious. I don't know. I think it's empathy and I'm really empathetic, sensitive, uh, and I care about people and I'm interested in other cultures. I grew up in Oklahoma. I, where I, you know, I, any foreigner I would meet, I would just want to know everything, you know, everything about them. Yeah. So I, I think it's just a personality. It's in my nature. I'm very curious about people. I live in the world of people, right? So that's, um, it's fun for me. And my whole life, I think that's the the theme. So I studied anthropology as an undergraduate. I went away to college. I traveled. I lived in China for a few years. Um, I've been really lucky to travel abroad, uh, did study abroad, came back to the U.S., lived in Seattle, which is a great town for that, got involved with NGOs, went to the UW uh, Public Policy School. Um, and then I had a pivot. Uh, you know, that's when I thought, well, I'd like to, now I've, I've had these different lives, but I'd like to have a normal American life right now. It'd be interesting to me. Uh, and for some reason, I don't know why I did this, but I thought New York would be the perfect place to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not an American place at all, uh, but it worked out so well. And I met my husband here. I chose fundraising because on, you know, I think there are two sides of me. I'm really crazy, really, you know, in my thoughts. Uh, very unconventional, yeah. very open-minded. At the same time, I take a lot of um, comfort in having security. So I think that was part of it too. And I decided because of that, I'm in nonprofits. I love the nonprofit world. I believe in this. It feels right. I like to be international. And I want to make you know money, but I want to do have it aligned with values. So that's why I chose fundraising and development. And you get to talk to people in fundraising. So through that, I think that was that's been a whole other journey being in this field. Uh, sometimes it's been love hate. Uh, sometimes it's been you know wonderful. I you know so there's a whole journey I think with the fundraising uh, world for me. Well, I'm curious uh, about that a bit. What when you first got into fundraising, and I understand why you're saying that you initially thought it. Hey, this might be a fit for me. But what what surprised you when you got in there that you didn't anticipate? Oh, honey. 
Okay. Anything that starts so, with "Oh, uh, honey" is going to be oh, good. Let me tell you. Well, I think every. I'm surprised by everything because I, I assume nothing in life, and I find life is surprising on all levels. So I didn't know what to expect, uh, you know, fully. But what has surprised me, I you know, has been. Oh, and it's not a surprise, but number one, uh, the learning curve. It is just. It never. It never ends, and I love that. So I actually I love this field. I think it never gets old. Um, I also think in you know money having that money conversation with oneself and with someone else is oh it's a million times harder than I thought it would be. In what way? Well, I think that it draws up, you know, brings up a lot of uh, your own stuff as an individual, your own ideas about money, emotions about money, and then it also brings up the same kind of the same issues with the giver. So you have, I mean, there are so many dynamics. There's a power dynamic there, the wealthy versus, you know, the fundraiser usually have a different age, different social status. Yeah. It is, it is, uh, I think it's one of the most triggering fields ever. And if you can get through it, you'll come out like the most evolved person on the planet because now I, I really see everyone as equal. I really do. I, I don't, uh, I'm not intimidated by wealthy people because they're just like, you know, they're just like us. They're, they're just nothing. people as it turns out. Yeah. So, uh, so that's been interesting. I think, uh, you know, as I said, there've been ups and downs on the, the actual work itself. I've been so fulfilled. I find it incredible. It's so engaging, interesting. You learn about, you know, you have to be a jack of all trades in some ways. You have to learn about the program you're representing, and there's so much passion there. You learn about the donor, uh, so you you know it's engaging to me because I like to do everything. Yeah. Um, on the other side, I have found the field to be really you know at times at times kind of boring for me. You know, it can be very uh, bureaucratic. It can be uh, very old fashioned. You know, not kind of slow to change with the times. So that I didn't realize it, but. I have been struggling for a long time with that feeling like, well, I just don't fit in. And that's, you know, that's not fundraising's fault. That's, that's something I've always felt. So I think it's interesting that I chose, you know, we choose these situations on, you know, purposefully. So I chose this field where it was kind of triggering for me, uh, but really wonderful as well. And I think over the last like six months or so with really with Alina's help, with your help, I've been able to, stay in the field, but kind of do it my way. I feel so much better. And I tell people, I tell friends when, and actually former colleagues who are looking, you know, to make a change, I've told them, I'm like, you know, I haven't really moved fields. I haven't made a huge career shift. If you look at it from that level. If you, you look at the, it from a conventional level, I suppose. Yes. Then. But I think you have changed drastically oh. in a number of other ways though. And I'm curious, Alina, from your perspective, when when you first started working with Margaret, what what did you feel like were some of the initial initial challenges that she was working through and that she needed the most help with? Yeah, a lot of it is what um, I'm hearing again come up in this call. It's yeah. that where can I find the right fit that will the right environment, the right place that will accept me for who I am as a person, my personality, my values what I bring, my creativity, my cleverness, my, my quirks. And so that 
was one of the things that we worked through and especially came up when it came time for you to interview. <laughs> it did. And I definitely want to dig deep into that because I think that there's a bunch of things that our audience can can learn from that exact, uh, that exact time and space. Uh, but first, I really want to ask you about as you'd been in fundraising and you had some good experiences, you had those ups and downs. I remember the first time I got to interact with you and I think it was in a, a short phone call. And I remember you telling me that at some point you had a realization that the current role that you're in wasn't a fit. And it sounded like you'd been feeling that for, for a period of time. So where did you first start to realize that it wasn't, wasn't aligned in some of these other ways that you were talking about? Well, I've had a chance to think about that more, yeah. you know, since we last spoke and, you know, to be honest, I think I realized it, realized it the first week that I was there. Really? In what way? Oh, yes. And I've thought about, you know, I, I would analyze, why don't I like it here? Why, what's wrong with it? You know, why this doesn't feel right, but it, it, I'm, the money is so great. The, it, there's so much prestige. It has all of these, you know, I'm going to make it work. I know I can do this, but I'm going to tell you at the end of the day, what I've learned is, you know, I could go on and think about all that stuff and, you know, great and analyze it, or I could just pay attention to my gut. And I'm going to tell you from the second week, First, second week, my gut would say, hmm, this is interesting. Let me go. Let me just walk out the door. (laughs) (laughs) Really, I think towards about a year and a half, I was at a point where I would just walk in and it, and I just want to like go turn around and walk right out. And, you know, I'm not mad. There, There wasn't anything really wrong with it. That's the thing. The people, there were some of the nicest people. Yeah. The place was so deserving. Uh, now that I've had some distance, it was a wonderful experience. I learned so much, so I don't regret it. But at the end of the day, it just wasn't for me. Well, and that's it just for me. That's per, that's so interesting. I think because so many of people that are similar in your situation are similar in, in mindset, where they have done a lot of different things and they have they can do a lot of different things get into these situations where something is misaligned and it might be a great job. It might be a great opportunity. It might have really incredibly nice or really incredibly talented people. You know, I'm thinking of somebody else who we talked to not that long ago, Olivia, who worked at LinkedIn. She worked with some incredibly, incredibly smart people and it still wasn't right. Similar situation. It was great opportunity, but not a great opportunity for her. And I think that's what I'm hearing for you too, is great opportunity, but it just wasn't aligned in the ways that you needed it or wanted it at the time. Yes. As I said, I don't regret it because I did learn so much, but I really would have regretted staying much longer. And here's why I think the universe and you know whatever it is, it's serendipity does align because the person who's in my job now that who's in that role now, she's perfect for it. it is, <laughs> you know what? I, yeah. And I know her. She was a former colleague in the UK. She moved to the US for the role. It is perfect for her. So it all worked out. It was a very uncomfortable time though for me. It required a lot of courage that was very uncomfortable. So that's where Alina was just, I cannot thank her enough. She was so helpful in helping me get the courage. And when she and I first talked, I would imagine Alina from your perspective, I can't speak for you, but I would think my body language was different. I bet I looked different. I've lost like 15 pounds eating chocolate and cake. I I mean, I don't, I'm just so much happier. Yeah. 
I look better. I feel better. I'm happier. And I just wasn't, I had gotten too deep. I'd stayed too long and it was hard for me to see above the fence, you know? So she really helped me do that. That is really interesting. And I'm always fascinated about the things that often we don't even fully understand science wise and research wise yet, but that have those deep reaching impacts like <laughs> looking better and feeling better uh, and just all the things that can go along with that. So I, I'm fascinated by that, but I'm curious, Alina, from your perspective, when you and her started working together, what were your major focuses at that point in time? There was a focus on getting her out of the gate quickly and figuring out what the timeline was for her and what actions we can take to align her with the next opportunity. So Margaret came as a fast action client. I remember like, that. Out of the gate, I'm ready to go. <laughs> I want to do make this, this in happen. three months. <laughs> yeah. We got to make this happen. Let's get to it. And every time I would meet with her, it was something different. There was never that linear focus, which... Not a surprise after... Yeah, not a surprise. So what ended up happening through that process is we went from action to getting aligned. And Margaret's great because she's coachable and she's open to sharing how she's feeling. She's very in tune with how she's feeling and the stories and sharing the stories that may be uncovering behind the emotion, things from her past, things from her present, things about how she perceives herself in the future. So that was an easier conversation to have with her because she comes from that place. It's part of her nature to express herself in that way. But where we were was we went from fast action, we just got to get this done to wait, let's really talk about who Margaret is. Interesting. Was that at both of your prompting or what caused that transition? From my perspective, it was like I needed someone to be in triage mode with me. And Alina was the best, just ready to meet me in that mode. So we'd go over during the first few months, it was triage. How can I get out of here and get a new job that I actually like? Doesn't have to be perfect, but it's the next step that I need to exit. It's an you know emergency situation for me because it felt terrible. Um, And after that, I think I just kind of let out a deep breath. I was like, oh God, okay, now what? (laughs) You know, now we need to do the real, like the deeper work, right? So I needed some surface level work, triaging, very tactical. And then after that was done, the real work, I think, began. And it still continues. It never ends. I don't think that that ever ends for anybody, I think it gets fine-tuned and I think it gets different levels of depth for lack of a better phrase. I'm curious what that was like for you though, as you started digging into that deeper work, what were some of your focuses and what, what did you find to be challenging about that for yourself? So I've been thinking a lot about that. And in general, well, there's a theme that I found throughout our work, throughout my work with Alina and Hey, I'm guess what? I'm finding it throughout life. And it Mm -hmm. is a life hack, vulnerability. So I have been thinking more about this, where our CEO, where I am now, the best place ever. Uh, Really, vulnerability is one of our values. I've never worked anywhere where we talk about it so openly. Yeah. And I think about it. And I think just 
me being willing to be vulnerable with Alina and I didn't feel judged. And hey, even if I did feel judged, it doesn't matter. We have to be vulnerable with people. I don't believe that change is possible without vulnerability. And it was comfortable. <laughs> I would definitely say that on the scale of non-judgy people, uh, Alina's towards the top. Uh, however, when you're talking about vulnerability, what did that actually look like as you were working through some of what you wanted the most and what you were what you were feeling? Because this is pretty cushy stuff for lack of a better phrase. It's it's very okay. mushy. It is very it is very nonlinear. It is very it is very not laid out necessarily. And often it is a two steps forward, one step back type process when you're going through these things for yourself. So I'm curious, on one hand, what did that look like for you? And then what do you mean by vulnerability in the in the process? So in a concrete way, as I'm thinking back to our conversations, yeah. uh, just First, I felt vulnerable just letting her, you know, telling someone that I wasn't happy where I was and that it really wasn't working out because I felt, it, you know, for me, it was a great disappointment. Alina, I mean, you know, she was so nonjudgmental. I, you know, logically, I know that she's a coach. She's Alina. She, she's there to be supportive, but right. But being vulnerable is very uncomfortable. So it yeah. was horrible to have to tell her like, Hey, this is not working out. Hey, I'm 40 years old. I don't even know what I want to do. <laughs> like, that's another thing. You know, I, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. And that was, you know, I still feel vulnerable saying that. So that's something. And then also feeling like nervous before an interview, thinking, well, it's an interview. We know how these things are. And I know everyone feels nervous, but I would just express to her, you know, we had one call in particular where I just felt so vulnerable and I felt like, oh, they're going to hate me. They're, oh my gosh. Or they're going to think I'm so kooky and crazy. I'm not, you know, I'm not this buttoned up fundraiser type. That's what they want. Oh gosh. They're, you know, I took acting classes. They're going to find that out. They're going to think I'm crazy. Oh dear. And I just, <laughs> I told her, I'm like, well, Lena might think I'm crazy too. Does that make sense? Um, yeah, that makes total sense. And it, and it sounds like you, for you, the the vulnerability pieces were being able to put yourself out there in that way in in the way that you actually are from acting classes to not being the traditional type of fundraiser if you will in an industry that is is fairly traditional for the most part and exposing yourself in that way it sounds like was some of the most difficult pieces so I, i'm curious alina from your perspective you know what what did you think as you heard about some of those pieces and you started to help her prepping for that that interview what was that like a few things come up when you ask this question well one when you shared with me that you're taking you know these creative classes acting classes that was one of the actions that you took to help you get into accepting yourself and expressing yourself again and out of your comfort zone. So that in itself is something that I just had to shine a light on and recognize for you when we were coaching that that is part of your helping process of owning who you are. Um, and that's something that we would rec we here at Happen to Your Career recommend um, as one of the things to take to really embrace and own yourself and your strengths. So shining a light on that was part of how I led some of the conversations and helping you acknowledge your strengths and just the gifts and the beauty that you carry as you are, your quirks, your strengths, 
your expertise and all. And so when we went into, I remember the interview conversation and excuse me, cause this was like, four, was it three months ago, four months ago <laughs> when we went into the coaching and, and you were going into that interview, which I believe was happening that day, what you just shared in this podcast are those stories that were coming up. What do they think of me? What did they think of this and all of those things? And so part of it was just getting back into the mindset of embracing who you are, your values, all the things that make up who you are, taking those quirks that you have that enable you to connect and engage with others. So in short, it was just embracing, getting you to a place where you embrace who and all that you are and acknowledging and accepting that by you not showing up that way, it's almost like you're doing a disservice to yourself and to the prospective employer. It won't be a good fit if you don't show up fully aligned and accepting of who you are confidently. And so we had to get to that mind space to bring you to that place so that you showed up that way in this interview. And I remember you, Margaret, saying, I don't even need to practice the interview questions. (laughs) That's not what I'm worried about. It's all this other stuff. So I think the mindset was really important there. I find it so interesting all the time, you know, talking about some of the other, (laughs) some of the other psychological pieces and rejection and things like that, that we get so worried as human beings about putting ourselves out there because there's that, there's that prospect, that potential of that worry of rejection. And it, 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 in many cases, not in all cases, but a lot of times that fear of rejection has the same type of stimulus for us as if we're being chased down the Serengeti by a lion or something along those lines, <laughs> which is absurd when you put it that way, but it doesn't feel that much different sometimes. And uh, the irony, I think, in all of it is that when you when you do some of the hard things that I know that you eventually did and put yourself out there in the way that you actually are and have the ability to show up in the world, then people connect with that differently versus if you're playing a part. So I, I'm, I'm curious, Margaret, for you, you know, going into going into that, what helped you make the final, and I would say a courageous decision, especially when you're being chased down the Serengeti by a lion, or it feels mm-hmm. like it at least. What what made you make the final decision? No, I'm going to go and I'm going to be who I am. Like what what prompted from that discussion to actually doing it? Because you, you did it. Yeah. Well, I think that I would have gone in and been myself no matter what. Because I made that decision that I I knew that's what I had to do. Yeah. I knew it was the right way. Um, you know, there's this wise Margaret and then there's the Margaret running from the lions, right? <laughs> so I know the wise Margaret knew, oh, this is the way. If if they don't like you for who you are, it's not a good fit. It's not personal. So just be yourself. But the running from the lions, Margaret, was like, oh my God, what do I do? You know. So I think that that conversation was almost like an antidote to that, you know, uh, being able to be vulnerable and say, oh my God, but what if I do this and just show this? It was like, I was showing her, Hey, this is me running from the lions. You're like, look at me. And I, uh, you know, oh my gosh, you know, I'm crazy. And, and uh, just talking, having her be there, listen, uh, help me through it, coach me through it. What I think that did is prevent me from going in feeling nervous which would have changed the energy of the interview. Feeling nervous you know, would have made it feel like a nervous meeting. Mm. That would not be a good interview. So I felt 
very calm. I felt confident. I felt like myself. And that's what I thought. It's, you know, that our coaching call, Lena, before that interview was like a little, you know, it was a little antidote for me. So I'd recommend that everyone do that. Everyone get an antidote before you go and interview so that you can control the energy in a different way. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so, I feel like so it's a. Get it. Yeah. Mine is vulnerability. I think that there's a lot of a lot of truth buried in there too. Well, not even buried on the outset, because it really does change that interaction. And when when so many companies are interviewing based on one or a couple or essentially a small amount of time overall, um, you know, many companies aren't like dating for a year and a half or you know five years or anything before they hire somebody. They need somebody in that role yesterday. And so it is a small amount of time. So people make judgments from that. And uh, people, we as human beings have a tendency to make judgments based on how we feel and then justify the rest. Let's be honest. That's what happens. And there's a ton of research to support that. Out of all of this, then you've done a phenomenal job making the transition, going from going from this role that you were walking into every day and essentially ignoring your gut for a while, but you knew that it wasn't right. And then eventually making making this transition into something where you've been pretty ecstatic. Every time I interact with you or email with you or anything else or or Alina tells me about you, she's like, oh yeah, she's loving this, 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 and, and this. And what was what was hardest about making the transition overall? When you think back, what were some of the elements that were particularly difficult for you? I think the first element was just accepting that I needed to make the transition. Mm. You know, I was in a state of denial for a long time. I thought, nope, I'm going to make this work. It's the right thing. It's the, you know, just accepting, hey, I don't, I don't have to make this work. I don't have to make it work. It's okay. You know, you can move on, Margaret. It's all right. You're not, you're not less than anyone else because this doesn't work for you and it works for other people there. So, you know, at the other job, there was a lot of travel and a lot of time and a lot of face time was required to be in the office. So what I learned from that is some of the lifestyle uh, considerations of a job and, you know, how that fits with my personal life and my working style, they're much more important than I realized. I, I don't want to go into an office unless there's a good reason, unless it makes sense. I you know, I'm anti-bureaucracy. I, I hate to you know, have to do FaceTime just for politics. There's nothing wrong with that for some people. But for me, it's, uh, it repulses me. <laughs> and with my new firm, something that attracted me to them is that they do this crazy in-depth personality analysis Ooh, I love for it. everyone who joins. And it was so fun because it was absolutely spot on about who I am. And from that, it was like, you know, one out of 10 for bureaucracy and process. Mine was like a one, you know, I can't. Uh, and I didn't realize how, you know, how important that is to me and how much more motivated I am when I feel free. So I'm like a caged bird. I have to feel free. If I don't feel free, I don't, you know, I just want to walk out the door. And uh, so I hadn't realized how important that was. And now that I feel free, oh my gosh, I'm on fire. I love it. I love what I'm doing. It's so much fun. It's uncomfortable though, also in different ways though. It's a, it stretches me. So every day I mean, I'm doing something. Well, so every week I feel like I'm doing something new that I've not done before that I've dreamt about, like writing a blog post. 
I'm putting together a presentation on you know, psychological blocks, something that I dreamt about. Uh, and the next month, I'm going to help a wonderful nonprofit you know, put together their entire campaign and coach them through that and actually meet with their donors and ask for money. So it's, there's great variety uh, and it's super stretching. So as Keith, my husband, has seen that I've never worked this hard in my life. You know, now yeah. I'm trying to be more balanced, but I've never worked so many hours, so hard. Uh, and it doesn't feel like anything's being taken away from me. Whereas before I felt like, well, I'm in England a lot. I miss my daughter. I miss my family. This work, it, you know, it didn't feel like it was worth it and I wasn't growing. So I felt like something was being taken away. I think that's a very eloquent way to say it because it really, it truly is different for different people in terms of what they want. I mean, there's certain things that we need as human beings in order to feel more happy on a more regular basis as a, in regards to our work. But aside from that, everything is is very different and very personal. And I think uh, some of the commonalities are exactly what you said. When you're aligned with an environment and a role or a company or an organization or whatever it happens to be, and it doesn't feel like something is being taken away. Well, the cool thing, I think, is that it enables you to be able to grow differently as a human being because it sets you up. Yes, maybe you're doing more challenging work. And yes, maybe you are doing, in some cases, more work, but you escalate at a much different rate. And that feels so much more rewarding, especially for people like you. And that is that is super cool. Nice, nice job, by the way. Thank you so much. And I want to thank both of you uh, because you really got me onto the Strength Finder. That I feel like Strength Finder is like the gateway drug to getting, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> it is. And I hadn't done it. I hadn't done that, which is silly because I, you know, I'm always trying to get to know myself, but I hadn't done it in that way, and that was super helpful. So thank you. Absolutely. So that's that's the real reason why we have Strength Finder on our website is because it's a gateway drug to all the rest of life fulfillment. <laughs> no, I, I very much appreciate that, and it's been it's been super cool to be able to um, get get status updates from Alina, and it's been super cool to be able to uh, be able to see it from afar. And I know that. I'm only slightly jealous. Okay, a lot that Alina uh, got to have a front row seat. But thank you so much for uh, for trusting us to help you out with this. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you both. You guys are awesome. I I don't know if I would have had the courage to do it without your support. Uh, eventually, but it wouldn't have happened so quickly. And uh, thank you so much. And I listened to your podcast like a year before we ever spoke. So you know there. That was a good way to kind of get some coaching as well and um, was helpful. So thanks. And now you're on the podcast, full scale journey, as it turns out. So now after going through all of that and being in a role that feels so much more like a fit, what what advice would you give other people that are back where uh, non-aligned Margaret was <laughs> you know, uh -huh. not not that long ago, six months, seven months ago, and, and are just now starting to think seriously about making that change? What advice would you give them? Um, I would say, you know, think about your network. Think about the people you know who are doing, you know, think about your network. Think about the people you know who are in roles that intrigue you and interest you. Um, hang out with you know, hang out in the crowd where you want to be. You want to have an open mind and try not to feel 
like you're limited? I think it's very accurate. Like people come into this, actually, a lot of people come into it the way that you came into it, where it's like, okay, I want to make this happen in three months. Let's do this. <laughs> and and then that may still happen. But if you only have just that mentality and are not looking at it with an open mind, then what we see is that people miss stuff. They miss opportunities that could be really great and very well aligned with them. And if you're only centered on one particular thing and one particular way, you're probably going to find that one particular thing in that particular way, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that is right for you. So I totally agree with that. I think that makes a lot of sense. As I think about this pivot in a move, um, well, as I think about these changes I've been through over the last you know six months, I don't think about it as a full life change where I'm, you know, I'm, I'm at the end, you know, the, I don't think about it as I'm in, you know, the final destination. And I've talked to friends about this. I feel like what I did and I challenge others to approach it in this way is I was walking down a path, right? And I stopped and I just moved my feet a little bit to the left. And then I started walking. Yeah. I, I just kind of pivoted. I turned a little bit and I started, kept walking and that was it. And now I, I just feel so much better, but this isn't the final destination. Yeah, This is step number, you know, two, I was in step one. I turned a little bit. Now I'm walking a different path. Uh, and it, sometimes it, you know, didn't feel so different right when I started, I thought, well, I'm still in fundraising. Do I like fundraising? Da, da, da. You know, but it was just a pivot. So I think it, it can be overwhelming to want to change your entire career. Mm-hmm. So you know, why don't you pivot a little bit? Because now I feel like I'm much more energy and much more positive, And I feel that much more is possible for myself. And I think those are, those are the encouraging signs to look for. And I, it is so interesting that almost all of us have a tendency to come into this looking like, oh, well, I need to, I need to find what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Or, you know, this is going to, this is going to be it. I better make a good decision, but that actually is counterproductive in the process. And it, it takes away a lot of that creativity and it takes away a lot of the things that might work out very, very well. So I think that's great advice. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Alina, anything that you want to add that you, you got to witness in her change or anything else that would be valuable for HTYCers that are listening everywhere to know about Margaret Spratt. Yeah, you know, the big one of the biggest thing uh, I think character traits about Margaret is that she's open to I guess signs and exploring kind of taking the playful approach. I know playfulness and fun and adventure is one of your values. So going about this new chapter in her journey to figuring out what's next that value would come up. And um, and so even in, in the example I brought up earlier was when she took the acting class and that helped her come into herself again. So this really comes from Margaret's story. It's like, if we can look at what's next as playing in the sandbox and from that lens of what's possible and how is this an adventure and what are the signs that I am on path to feeling great or aligned, Um, that will make this process feel so much better. Most of our episodes on Happy to Your Career often showcase stories of people that have 
identified and found and taken the steps to get to work that they are absolutely enamored with that matches their strengths and is really what they want in their lives. And if that's something that you're ready to begin taking steps towards, that is awesome. You can actually get on the phone with us and, and our team, and we can have a conversation to find the very best way that we can help. It's super informal, and we try to understand what your goals are, where you want to go, and what specifically you need our help with. And then we figure out the very best type of help for you whatever that looks like, and sometimes even customize that type of help. And then we make it happen. It really easy way to schedule a conversation with our team is just go to schedulealconversation.com. That's schedulealconversation.com and find a time that works best for you. We'll ask you a few questions uh, as well. And uh, then we'll get you on the phone and figure out how we can get you going to work that you really want to be doing that fits your strengths that you love and you're enamored with. Hey, can't wait to hear from you. Usually when people find this podcast, they feel stuck in their careers. Sometimes it even feels like being in jail. And I remember the first day they were walking us around and they said uh, they were giving us our offices and they showed me my office. And I looked in there and I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Something is, you know, I'm not going in there. Don't, you know, it was literally like the scene in the movie where the, the guy's been sent to jail and he's walking down the long hallway carrying his blankets. Right. And he has to go like, here's your cell. That's how I felt where I was just like, great, you know. Lock me in this box, why don't you? That's Adam Bloom. Adam finished law school. He entered the workforce right as the 2008 recession was starting. Perfect time, right? Just like Han Solo, he had a bad feeling about it from the beginning. But with the recession starting, he figured he could stick it out until things turned around. Only they didn't. So then, later on, he felt pigeonholed not just in law, but even specific areas of practice. He attempted to leave several times, trying to figure out how to make his excitement for writing into a career. But he kept hitting wall after wall after wall after wall. Eventually, we got to meet him. And he learned his signature strengths. He learned how to pivot into what he really wanted to be doing. All that and plenty more next week right here on Happen to Your Career. Make sure that you don't miss it. And if you haven't already, click subscribe on your podcast player so that you can download this podcast in your sleep and you get it automatically. Even the bonus episodes every single week, sometimes multiple times a week. Until next week, adios. I'm out.